Hello and welcome to Right Care Baptist. Today, Amanda and I are going to be with Dr. Wells discussing physical medicine and rehabilitation. I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm your co-host. I'm an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer. Hello, I'm Amanda Comer. I'm the system director for advanced practice providers. And I'm Devin Wells. I'm a physical medicine and rehabilitation specialist. Uh, I trained in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas at UAMS, um, did my residency in med school there. Um, I really appreciate you all having, all, having me on. Um, anytime I can get the word out, um, educate people about what we do, whether that's patients or clinicians, I'm happy to do it because it's still a little bit ambiguous. A lot of people don't know exactly what we do, so I appreciate you all having me on. Yes, yes, thank you so much. And I'm certainly one of those that is is kind of in the dark. Um, we were discussing, you know, before we started recording that um, most of us didn't get a lot of exposure to uh, physiatry or physical medicine and rehabilitation in, in medical school or residency. Can you just tell us a little bit uh, about the specialty um, and some of the history of it? Absolutely. Um, so kind of like you, I didn't get a whole lot of exposure to uh, PM&R or physiatry is the other name for it until really my kind of end of my third year of med or medical school. Uh, I was on a vascular surgery rotation. We had a lot of uh, BKAs, AKAs, or amputees uh, that were going to PM&R rehab, and I didn't understand what that was, so looked into it a little bit more. Um, I knew I didn't want to do uh, be in the OR all day. Uh, I really liked musculoskeletal medicine, neurologic disorders. And it kind of fit right into what I wanted to do. Um, so essentially, physical medicine rehabilitation, or physiatry is the other name for it, is a medical specialty that really focuses on improving function, um, independence, and quality of life for people with injuries, impairments, disabilities, um, in a non-operative or post-operative manner. Excuse me. <laughs> um, PM&R really got started in... Uh, Around the 1920s, it wasn't an accredited specialty till about 20 years later. But essentially, after World War One, uh, war veterans were coming back with amputations, blast injuries, gunshot wounds, brain injuries, spinal cord injuries. No, there wasn't really a medical expert on how to uh, improve these people's quality of life, get them back functioning in a community, working. Um, so it was kind of born out of that. It became accredited in around 1945. Uh, essentially, what I tell my patients who come in my clinic, they really don't know why they're here. Sometimes they think I'm a podiatrist. Uh, sometimes they think I'm a psychi psychiatrist. Um, but essentially, what I, I try to explain to them is uh, we treat muscle, bone, and nerve disorders. We're sort of a primary care for people with disabilities or musculoskeletal injuries. Um, there are many subspecialties in PM&R. Um, so People will specialize in brain injury, uh, stroke, spinal cord injury, electrodiagnostics, which means uh, doing nerve conduction tests, electromyography. Um, there's cancer specialties, pediatric specialties, and interventional pain fellowships that can be done. Um, essentially, what I see mainly, I'm contracted with uh, Sims Murphy out of Memphis, which is a neuroscience group. So we, we primarily see patients with spine pathology, brain pathology, um, but even more so than that, I like to treat people with muscle disorders, uh, myopathies, uh, myositis, uh, peripheral nerve injuries, joint injuries. Um, and, and again, it's, it's kind of a coordination of care with uh, surgical uh, practitioners, uh, neurosurgeon, orthopedic doctors, neurologists. Uh, we're just a piece of that puzzle to try to get people functioning back, living their life um, without 
relying on other people to help them constantly, um, improving pain if that's a chronic issue. That's very interesting, Dr. Wells. So, so you alluded to this, but what are the appropriate patients for referral? You mentioned brain pathology, muscle disorders, cancer. Are there others that are appropriate for a referral? Absolutely, and it's kind of a broad uh, or all-encompassing uh, specialty. So, like I said, in my practice, primarily what I'm seeing in an outpatient clinic is uh, spine pathology, uh, people with degenerative disc disease, chronic back pain, chronic neck pain, uh, radiculopathies, uh, peripheral nerve injuries like carpal tunnel or ulnar neuropathy. But more so than that, I see a lot of people who have had chronic brain injuries, um, strokes, spinal cord injuries, who are either needing equipment, um, may have spasticity that needs to be managed or increased muscle tone. Um, we see neuromuscular disorders, Parkinson's patients, amputees. We, we work with medical providers, DME providers to try to get people equipment such as wheelchairs, walkers, braces, prosthetics that they may need. Um, again, chronic pain kind of fits hand in hand with some of these disorders that I'm talking about. So we try to manage that mainly using uh, non-opioid, non-narcotic medications, interventional procedures, um, changing habits, quality of life, um, just to improve uh, how people are functioning in their daily life. That's what it sounds like. So much more than just pain control, but really quality Absolutely. and function of the individual. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about rehab, um, I think about my mom. She's a, a physical therapist, and so that's kind of what I jump to first and foremost is is physical therapy post any of these uh, events. How do you, you know, how does what you do complement and augment uh, physical therapy or, or how do y'all work together? I, I still don't, I guess I know enough about the dynamic there. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, a lot of my family thinks I'm a physical therapist. I have to explain to them that there's a difference there. Um, but no, we work hand in hand essentially with physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists. We essentially try to direct um, and come up with a therapy plan to improve people's lives, uh, get them functioning better. Um, on the inpatient side, we will have people with acute strokes uh, that are admitted to an inpatient rehab unit. Uh, we supervise their medical care, um, medical management, pharmacologic management, and direct how our therapists are, are treating and formulating a, a therapy plan of care for them. And so you mentioned uh, working at, you know, that you had your own clinic, and, you know, when I also, uh, my experience so far with physiatry has been mostly in rehab, rehab hospitals. So you do both? Do you see patients in both? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I essentially split my time. Uh, some people do primarily inpatient, some people do primarily outpatient. I sp essentially split it 50-50. Um, I, I see consults in the hospital for people who have critical illness myopathies. Um, COVID, obviously, we're learning more about what we call long COVID and some of the detrimental effects that it has long term, not just in the acute illness process. Um, but we admit these patients after they're medically stable to a rehab unit, usually between two and three weeks days, uh, where we just try to get them functioning, not relying on other people, being able to take care of themselves um, with adaptive equipment, uh, strengthening muscle groups so they can stand, walk. I'll tell you, one of the most rewarding things in PM&R is seeing a brain injury patient, a stroke injury patient that um, can't talk, can't walk, can't take care of themselves, progress over several weeks and be able to start doing those things to get on their own. Seeing a stroke patient who's aphasic um, start expressing themselves, 
being able to communicate with their families again, recognizing people is one of the most rewarding things in my specialty. That's great. So can, do you think you'd be able to walk us through like a typical case that you would see from, you know, your initial evaluation of the patient and what you would do on subsequent visits um, as far as what are you doing with them as far as interventions goes? Is it medications? Is it um, pain interventions, uh, blocks? Is it, you know, strengthening exercises, all of the above? Can you just talk it's us through a, a typical case? It's a little bit of everything of that. So um, in, in an outpatient setting, if I'm seeing somebody with uh, back pain or say they have a radiculopathy and uh, muscular weakness um, down their leg or in their arm, um, we would start by diagnosing the problem, um, trying to figure out what the pathology is. Um, let's say we have a patient with a lumbar radiculopathy and they have foot drop. Um, we would assess the patient, determine if they need to be seen by a surgical specialist. Um, a lot of times we'll check MRIs, uh, electrodiagnostic testing, which commonly is known as a nerve test. Uh, so we can isolate where exactly the problem is occurring and how to treat it, how long it's been going on. Uh, a lot of it is essentially starting off with treating the whole individual. Um, we, we try to encourage them if they've got bad habits or um, need to change the way that they're functioning in their daily life, sleeping better, eating better, taking care of themselves, participating in aerobic exercise on a daily basis. We try to start there. Um, if there are medications that need to be initiated um, for chronic pain, uh, for spasms, we can start those medications. So assuming we have a patient with a lumbar radiculopathy and foot drop, I would do a, a complete neuromuscular assessment, um, an electrodiagnostic testing, check an MRI. Uh, we may refer them for an interventional procedure like a lumbar epidural steroid injection to hopefully calm down pain so that we can start a physical therapy program and start strengthening those muscle groups that are weak. Um, we can provide bracing um, and we're essentially working uh, with DME providers and physical therapists to determine what type of uh, orthotic or possibly a prosthetic if it's an amputee that may be needed to uh, compensate for their neur neurologic deficit or their musculoskeletal problem. Um, it's it's really kind of an all-encompassing field. It's uh, I see I never know what I'm going to see when I go in a clinic room. It's a wide variety of patients that I'm seeing, uh, but we try to treat the patient um, as a whole. Uh, if Essentially, it's, it's sort of like a primary care for people with disabilities or impairments. Uh, we coordinate care between specialties. So if I think a person needs to go and have possibly an operation done, I refer them to neurosurgery. We work with orthopedic surgeons, rheumatologists, um, obviously physical, med or, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Um, what I do in my clinic to kind of help mitigate some of the symptoms um, besides just the electrodiagnostic aspect doing nerve test. I do diagnostic ultrasound. I do ultrasound guided injections. We do Botox injections mainly for spasticity, not cosmetic reasons. Uh, I do some peripheral nerve blocks. So say somebody has myalgia peristetica and I can block the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve using an ultrasound and, you know, monitoring symptoms. Sometimes these are diagnostic procedures or we do an injection and monitor to see if uh, symptoms are getting better. Uh, usually they do if we're on the right track, but if not, we do a little bit more digging and reevaluate things. Uh, I do some caudal injections, um, not lumbar epidural steroid injections, but with an ultrasound, I can do a caudal injection. I'm planning to uh, explore and try to get more equipment so that I can do regenerative me medicine techniques, which is kind of a new and booming field with orthobiologics, uh, 
PRP, prolotherapy, which is a, a really growing, like I said, booming uh, area of PM&R that I'm very interested in. This is very interesting. I can I can think of so many patients that would benefit from, you know, for a referral. Yeah, I know. It just, it, it never crossed my mind. You know, I used to do a primarily outpatient medicine and I would have lots and lots of patients with uh, disabilities and, you know, uh, post-stroke, post-critical illness, and I just never in my mind. This is great. So you mentioned um, seeing patients post-COVID. There's so much we don't know, and I'm just interested in the symptoms that you're seeing. Is it fatigue and weakness, or are there other symptoms as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, so obviously we know more and more about COVID as time goes on, but what we're seeing a lot more is long COVID. Um, especially in patients who have been ventilated in the ICU, not able to move, function, activate muscle groups. Um, I can recall several patients just over the last year that have been uh, in the ICU for prolonged periods of times, weeks. Um, and in those settings, we essentially try to uh, passively move joints as people are sedated, um, just to maintain range of motion. As they're stabilized and hopefully coming off a ventilator, we try to start getting physical therapy started as early as possible, trying to activate those muscle groups. A lot of times we see critical illness myopathy in a lot of these patients um, who are on hemodialysis with renal failure um, and associated with uh, COVID. Um, but it it's a difficult uh, long-term diagnosis that you have decreased cardiopulmonary uh, reserve and endurance is down, muscle strength is down, and we just try to build these individuals back up to where they can function and live their lives, take care of their families, enjoy uh, life and improve their quality of life. Have you noticed much of a difference with the post-COVID patients uh, compared to, I guess, just post-influenza patient that would have a similar stay in the ICU? Yes, uh, I would say they're, like I said, their their cardiopulmonary reserve is just shot. They, they have zero endurance uh, as they're coming off the vent. Um, we have to essentially just kind of build them back up gradually and slowly, and it takes a long time. Even these patients that come and stay with us for three weeks to a month, um, they're able to transition to an outpatient therapy program, but this is a prolonged recovery uh, after illnesses like that. Um, more so, I'd say, than just your routine pneumonia, influenza, um, uh, type respiratory problems. Um, but I've seen great progress. There's one individual in mind that he he, uh, he did extremely well. His, his wife still sends me videos of him jogging around the yard where when we had him on the rehab unit, he was taking two or three steps and just winded and having to get back on oxygen. And it's, it's a debilitating disease and something we're learning more and more about as time goes on. Have you seen patients with, you know, POT syndrome coming out? I, I heard reports that uh, that was very common for some of these long COVID patients. I have seen one or two. Um, the one that I can think of uh, did not come to our rehab unit, but it, yes, absolutely. We do see those occasionally. I can imagine those would be pretty difficult to rehab. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of medical comorbidities to that you have to take into account. But yes, it, it's it's uh, time consuming for them. It's uh, it, challenging to treat medically um, and trying to rehab these people. You know, one of the you know when you're I was I was looking up a little bit before the podcast got started just about uh, your training and and we didn't touch on it too much. Um, but can you just tell us a little bit about what the residency training is like for physiatry? You know, what do you do? What do you rotate through? Um, give us a flavor of, of of how that goes. Absolutely. So um, there are categor 
categorical programs, advanced programs, where essentially you do a preliminary year. Um, it's a four year residency. Uh, I did a categorical year, so uh, our program. So I was essentially uh, rotating through different specialties that you have to know a little bit about just to get into PM&R. So we, we rotated through orthopedics, uh, neurology, rheumatology, um, just getting a little bit of experience in some of these other specialties that are going to help care for these patients uh, that we're also seeing. Um, in our second year, we start out um, kind of general PM&R. We might do some inpatient, might do some outpatient. But as we rotate through the second, third, and fourth years, we do about six months of brain injury medicine, about six months of spinal cord injury medicine. Um, the place that I worked at in uh, Little, Ri Little Rock was uh, Baptist Memorial Hospital. We had a brain injury floor, a spinal cord injury floor, a stroke rehab floor. Um, so you rotate through all of those different um, specialties or um, subsets of PM&R. Um, and like I said, there are people that specialize in just those diagnoses alone. Um, but yes, we get a good broad range of inpatient uh, rehab and then also uh, in the outpatient setting, we see people with, again, these musculoskeletal disorders, neuromuscular disorders, uh, myopathies, Parkinson's disease. Um, but it was an extremely good program as far as PM&R. I would recommend it to anybody. If they're interested in PM&R, check out UAMS. I uh, can't say enough good things about it. They're very good physicians there. Um, but yeah, we get a little bit of experience um, with everything. I actually did about nine months at a pediatric rehab hospital. And they almost convinced me to go into peds. I love kids, and I, I sort of miss that in my practice. I occasionally see the 13-year-old, but not many of the little bitties anymore. I do miss that. And you mentioned some subspecialties. What is that additional years of training afterwards? Yeah, so it, it's there's a variety. Um, typically, they're one-year fellowships um, or additional training. Uh, some of them are two years, like pediatrics. Um, but there are several physicians that I work with that do interventional medicine where you're doing uh, fluoro or CT guided injections for axial back pain, radiculopathies, um, pediatric rehab is his own kind of ball game there. You see burn patients, uh, cerebral palsy patients, spina bifida patients, um, and then there's the, the big three essentially is uh, what we see is traumatic brain injury, spinal cord, and stroke. Um, those are... The main ones. There are a lot more subspecialties in PM&R. Like I said, cancer rehab, electrodiagnostics. Um, and what I do is a little piece of every every bit of that um, to some degree. So, how common is the specialty? I mean, if I was looking to refer a patient, uh, say within Memphis, is it is it hard to find uh, physiatrists within Memphis, or is it pretty well distributed throughout? So, in larger cities, it it wouldn't be necessarily very hard to find a physiatrist at Sims Murphy. We have several uh, that work up in Memphis. Um, and then obviously I'm down here in Oxford full time um, in more rural communities. There aren't as many of us around. Um, it's more of a uh, larger medical center center care um, where they have a rehab unit. A lot of the smaller communities do not have a rehab unit or um, specialized neuroscience clinics. Um, so it's becoming more common. Uh, uh, more accessible, um, especially in med school and residency now. I think instead of it being a elective that nobody's ever heard of before, I think now a lot of med schools are, are rotating you through two or th four week programs through PM&R just to get an idea. Because again, you know, you see all these patients in the hospital who are severely ill and you correct their medical issues, but you really have to take a look at what happens after that. Um, how are these people getting back into the community? How are they living their life? And that's where we come in, trying to help out in that situation.
I think that's really great. It's incredible. There's certainly a need. Absolutely. Dr. Wells, it's been great having you on the show. Do you have any closing comments for the, the medical staff that are listening or, or any other takeaways that you'd like to put out there? I would just say if you have a patient that uh, is having chronic pain, um, having a musculoskeletal injury, a, a nervous system disorder, keep us in mind. Um, we're always there. Um, I'm pretty easily accessible. If you have questions, if you're not sure a patient's appropriate for me to see or if it needs to be seen by a physiatrist, call my clinic. I will try to direct you if they need to come see me or if it's a different specialist that maybe needs to manage their care long term. Um, but hopefully if uh, we keep doing some of these podcasts, educating people, clinicians, patients, family members about what PM&R is, what physiatry is, um, it'll continue to grow. We'll continue to help these people with long-term disabilities, impairments, and, and get them back to living a good, healthy life. Well, thank you so much. I know I certainly learned a lot today. Well, I appreciate y'all having me on. And like I said, anytime I can help out spread the word about PM&R, y'all just let me know. Well, that's great. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Right Care at Baptist. Remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can take the link to the CME survey and gain your credit. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys.